Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, where did Jesus go? Jesus of Nazareth arose from the dead on the third day after his crucifixion and burial. For 40 days he came and went in various meetings with his disciples. He concentrated on instruction to his chosen witnesses, the apostles. Luke summarizes these events for us in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. I wrote the first narrative, Theopolis, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. On the 40th day, he was taken back into heaven in full view of his apostles. Again, Luke records the event. At the end of volume 1, Luke 24:49, And he, that is, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And then again in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. After he had said this, he, that is Jesus, was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So imagine him. He has his hands up, raised in a benediction, as he begins to bless them, perhaps with the ironic benediction. And while he is doing this, a cloud takes him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into the heaven? This same Jesus who's been taken away from you into heaven will come in the same way that you've seen him going into heaven. Mark summarizes for us in chapter 16 and verse 19. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and set down at the right hand of God. And Peter who is a witness that day, testifies in his first epistle, chapter 3, verse 22. Jesus Christ has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Peter, with John, after their arrest and release from jail, testified boldly to the authorities, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. God exalted this man to his right hand as leader, that is, ruler and savior, to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. That's found in Acts chapter 5 and verse 30 and following. Before his death and subsequent resurrection, Jesus had sought to prepare his followers for his leaving. In fact, when he began to call and collect his first disciples, he spoke to them as he did to Nathaniel in cryptic terms. Jesus responded to Nathanael, Do you believe only because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I assure you, you will see heaven opened, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's alluding to Jacob's ladder found in the book of Genesis. Then there's this testimony to Nicodemus in his early Judean ministry. You remember Nicodemus was the rabbi who secretly came to Jesus by night in Jerusalem the first few months of his ministry. Jesus said to him, 
No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. John 3.13 Now following the midpoint of his ministry, Jesus fed the multitudes at least twice that had followed him. So one day he fed 5,000, and the next day they followed him over across the sea. There at a somewhat isolated spot he had fed them, and now in Capernaum they have come together where he's at, and he preaches a sermon to them. He gives a discourse explaining that he was the true bread from heaven the people must feed upon. As a fallout of this sermon, when many had walked away from following Jesus, we read in John 6, 30 and 30 following, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Then, in the final year of his ministry, at the Feast of Tabernacles, in the fall of the year, or a few months before the Passover, Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I'm going to the one who sent me, John seven thirty three. And just a day before his death, in the upper room, just prior to his arrest in the garden, we read, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he spoke these words to his disciples. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father, John fourteen twelve, and John sixteen twenty seven. For the Father Himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father, and I've come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. Then, just a few hours before the final events begin to unfold, we read about Jesus's prayer to the Father in John chapter seventeen, beginning at verse four. And five. So Jesus prayed to the Father, anticipating his return in glorification, and these are the words he said I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one. Then after his resurrection, at his first appearance, he announces his soon ascension. He does it to Mary Magdalene. She was the first person to see him alive after he was raised from the dead. And she had grasped him. And Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God, John 20, verse 17. Now, from this wealth of information that I've shared with you, we learn from Jesus himself that his return to heaven is of supreme importance. To Jesus, it's a big deal, both to himself and to us who believe in him. Why is this? Let me share three reasons with you. First, with reference to Christ Jesus himself. The ascension, you see, is his exaltation. 
and proof that his work as our Savior by means of his suffering and death is real and that it is completed. It is finished. No sacrifice remains. We read in Hebrews chapter 9, He that is Jesus entered the most holy place once for all, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. And then verse 24 follows, For the Messiah did not enter into a sanctuary made with hands, only a model of the true one, but into heaven itself, so that he might appear now in the presence of God for us. He has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. All that was needed to ransom his people and to bring them into the fullness of salvation has been completed. It was completed by his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. Second, with reference to us who believe on him, Christ is engaged as our mediator. Since we've not yet completely been removed from temptation and sin in this fallen world, Satan attempts to accuse us before the Father when we stumble and when we sin. However, Christ is our advocate, our mediator, and our high priest. So we read in 1 John 2, verse 1, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He pleads our case before God based on his perfect life and his shed blood. Therefore, we have him and his present ministry as our anchor within the veil. He has gone into heaven. He is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Thus, we are kept safe and secure. It is guaranteed by God that we will receive the inheritance that he has purchased for us. Hallelujah. Third, with reference to the future. In Jesus, as the firstfruits and firstborn from the dead, we have our flesh, that is, our humanity, in heaven now. The God-man is on the throne. Those who believe are connected to him by faith, through regeneration in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In the resurrected and ascended Jesus, we have our flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that he, our head, will also take us, his members, up to himself. Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So John writes in his epistle, 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, we're God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. In the words of the Heidelberg Catechism and the Orthodox Catechism of the Reformed Baptist, we have our flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that he, our head, will also take us, his members, up to himself. Kevin DeYoung, in his excellent book, The Good News, We Almost Forgot, Rediscovering the Gospel in a 16th Century Catechism, stressed this hopeful reality brought to us by Christ's ascension in these words. And I quote, Christ's flesh in heaven is a guarantee that ours will be there too someday. Our hope is not an eternity as disembodied souls, but real, resurrected, material, human bodies in God's presence forever. Christ's body is the first one there, but not the last. Would you join me in prayer praise to the ascended Messiah, the Lord Jesus, in the lyrics of an 
ancient hymn, well, the 1800s, by one named James Dunn. It's a long hymn. And I'm only going to read to you, and you can pray, pray praise with me, the words. Lamb of God, your Father's bosom ever was your dwelling place. His delight in Him rejoicing, one with Him in power and grace. Oh, that wondrous love and mercy you did lay your glory by, and for us did come from heaven as the Lamb of God to die. Lamb of God, you now are seated high upon your Father's throne. All your gracious work completed, all your mighty victory won. Every knee in heaven is bending to the Lamb for sinners slain. All sing forth his praise unending, worthy is the Lamb to reign. Lord, in all your power and glory, still your thoughts and eyes are here, watching over all your people to your gracious heart so dear. You for them are interceding, everlasting is your love, and a holy rest preparing in our Father's house above. Lamb of God, our souls adore thee while upon your face we gaze. There the Father's loving glory shine in all their brightest rays. Your almighty power and wisdom all creation works proclaim. Heaven and earth alike confess thee as the ever great I am. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. Remember, Christ has died Christ was buried, Christ is risen, and Christ ascended, and yes, Christ will come again.